Thanks for tuning in to the HR Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Lucinda Carney. The HR Uprising is focused on helping forward-thinking people professionals deliver real lasting value in their organisations. I'm a chartered psychologist, speaker and trainer, and recently authored the best-selling business book, How to Be a Change Superhero. My day job is founder and CEO of software and training business Actus. This gives me the opportunity to work with other businesses like yours. We are focused on building a better workplace for people wherever they are located with the help of our performance, learning and talent management software and our training and consultancy services. Every week on the podcast, I will be covering different topics and challenges, joined by relevant experts and real-life people professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoy and get value from this week's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast. My name is Lucinda. Hopefully you know me from previous episodes and this week I'm going to do Uh, an episode on the topic of influencing approaches or influencing and asserting. I thought it was worth doing this. I was recently developing a new programme actually. We've got an influencing and asserting programme for young sort of young professionals and as I was looking through some of the content that I've used in the past and some of the models that I plan to use I realised that it was probably worth highlighting some of this for HR professionals, because when we are in a standalone role or within an organisation, very often we seem that we have to take the back seat. We're told to do things. Uh, We may not always think about um, how we can influence others or take the lead in terms of things. And being able to influence others is so important for so many things, whether it's about driving change or uh, persuading um, and people to follow a policy, keeping your organisation safe. We need to be able to communicate in a way that is influential and credible. And all too often we have this imposter complex going on. Maybe we work in a small business where you've got um, owner managers, just to create a, an example, uh, a, a, a caricature, you know, that don't listen, that they've not been in corporate organisation, they don't have the decision-making that you might have had in in a big organisation. And the way in which they make decisions is maybe dangerous for their business and you're there to protect them. So we need to be heard. We need to be able to influence people. And it's all very well being nice, being kind, but that doesn't always come natural to everybody. And I thought, therefore, flagging the model, the push-pull model of influencing would be worth sharing. Now, you may, some of you remember, I also did an episode on influencing skills, which is really, really useful for um, written communication. And um, it's based on Lencioni's um, influencing model. And I'll put the link in there if you want to go back and do that, because that was a good hundred episodes ago, I think, that I did that particular one. But this is more thinking, just broad reflection that's something that may be common sense or not how empowering is our influencing approach or are we unintentionally disempowering ourselves so have you heard of pull or push influencing maybe you have I certainly used it years and years ago but I couldn't remember all the aspects of it so there are actually eight if you visualize a a cake with eight slices um, on the left hand side we've got 
push influencing, which is pushing my agenda. And on the right hand side, you've got pull, which is more about pull or listening to your agenda. Of course, this reminded me of the Stephen Covey adage, which the seven habits of highly effective people is all about getting your point across and bringing people with you, actually. And his book, um, the habit uh, that he was talking about there was actually seek first to understand habit five and then to be understood. Now, all too often people translate it as just listen and being nice. And he is saying listen, but he's saying listen first. He's not saying don't be heard. And I think this is the key there that sometimes if we have a bit of an imposter complex going on, we don't necessarily feel that we deserve to be heard. Um, and we might listen to others and we may end up almost giving way um, holding back, not saying what we really think. And that could be to the detriment of the organisation because actually our role as HR people professionals is to advocate for people, it's to protect the organisation and therefore we need to be able to influence um, and empower and um, get our point across uh, in a constructive way. We need to be heard. So if we want to push our agenda, somebody who's naturally more push is someone who prefers to push their agenda first. And uh, the positive of that is being assertive. So if we are going to do that in an assertive way, we might clearly state our expect expectations or state what's required. You know, so the law says X, Y, Z, and this is what we need to do in these circumstances. So we state that or uh, stating expectations, uh, we expect 100% of appraisals to be completed by XYZ date. It's about being clear. If we state expectations, then people know where they stand and also they can share, um, if they don't, if there's a problem, they can they can share what they think about it um, and you can hopefully rule, rule it out. So being naturally assertive is just saying what we think. Now, that's fine when you are the expert or whatever it is that you're talking about has already been decided. If you're in a situation where you're not sure where the other party stands, then it may be more appropriate to take a pull approach by being more responsive. And in that sort of situation, you might want to just be very open um, and to ask open questions. So, you know, what are your thoughts? What do you want to achieve here? How do you think we should do it? What ideas do you have? So we ask open questions and we listen really carefully. Now, what we're trying to do is we're trying to understand what the ideal outcome is for the other party. Because if we understand what the other person's ideal outcome is, then it's far easier for us then to come up with a solution that gives them what they want and us what we want. The benefit, of course, of listening first is that not only do we find out what a win is for that other person, but if they feel that they've been heard, they are much more likely to then be willing to listen back to you. But as I said earlier, we have to be prepared to express our thoughts. And even if we've heard something, let's say we've heard that this manager, let's think, let's imagine the CEO of P&O Ferries um, and said, I want to sack everybody without or change their jobs, their contracts without any consultation. Um, it'd be fascinating to know what did happen there for the poor HR person. But in those situations, you might listen to what they say. And actually, what you then need to do is actually, we need to rationally persuade. We would have needed to go back. And if you remember the episode where we talked about using persuasion, appealing to authority, i.e. UK law, um, the consequences of doing this 
would mean X, Y, Z. Let's think about the impact on our brand and how it's going to look to other people. So third party influence, what it's going to look like. So we might want to use different types of rational appeal to the rational um, thinking of somebody as to why what they've come up with may not be the best idea. So it's all about push and pull. It's a bit like a you know, a balancing act there, being prepared to move from one to the other. And the way in which we communicate all of the time needs to be very much this adult neutral communication in order to get the best um, out, of, out of it. But main thing for me is just think, are you somebody who is equally good at pull, listening first, and also pushing your agenda when appropriate, not being fearful of assertively stating expectations or rationally persuading. And it's an interesting one because if you think about natural personality types, even in terms of natural, almost introversion, extroversion, or people who are more naturally responsive, some of us are more likely to be responsive. We're more uh, someone who will listen and is open. I say us, that's probably not me in fairness. Um, Whereas others are more assertive naturally first. We all got natural preferences. So the key is, are you able to flip it and use the other style constructively when you need to? The other thing as a rhetorical question to flag is I've just mentioned four types there. So if we visualise it just so you can see it, because obviously we're on audio. So if we start in our clock face at sort of nine o'clock, let's say, on our cake, our, our clock cake, uh, then my push my agenda, the first stage is stating expectations. So it's about being assertive, we're talking about making sure that we just clearly state what we want out of a situation. It's non-emotional. It's not aggressive. It's just um, stating clearly expectations or a rationale or needs, essentially, that you would want if you were to try and achieve a win-win agreement with somebody, that's what you would want to share. The next stage, when we're moving towards empowerment, which we talk about, so empowering others to do things, we might be actually rationally persuading people. So a little bit more pull um, in terms of that. So we're helping people, we're influencing them. So this would stem from our Patrick Lencioni's type influencing styles. You could go back and listen to episode 65, where I talk about practical persuasion strategies, and that talks about things like appealing to authority, um, exchange, logical reasoning, all of those sort of things in terms of as persuasion techniques that we might want to utilise to help people see the right way forward, let's say. Then as we go over towards pull, so we go over the top in terms of empowering, we used listening, so clearly actively listening to people, understanding what it is that they want to achieve. We're being responsive, so it would be two-way listening, asking open questions as opposed to um, closing people down or arguing against it, just genuinely trying to get a true understanding and being really open. And that's where we're being truly open to the other person, open-minded even, would be entirely pull. So those are our assertive, responsive push and pull responses on the top of our cake or the top of our clock face. If we were then going down the other way, where we sometimes go into the style of influencing that's less constructive. You could call it disempowering style of influencing. So if you're somebody who is naturally more responsive, more likely to listen to others, maybe slightly less naturally assertive, 
you could be considered to come over as being a little bit passive in certain circumstances, which is less effective. So you might just give way. It might be easier. You might decide that you're going to give way to the other person because they're more forceful. And don't get me wrong, occasionally there is that adage, you know, pick your battles. But giving way or not saying what you want at all, so holding back on how you feel about something, that isn't a constructive way forward. That makes us a doormat and that isn't something that's professional. It's our job to be able to influence people. So we have to learn to be uh, responsive as opposed to giving way, holding back, being more passive. On the flip side, if we're more naturally push and more assertive as individuals, we have to be careful that we don't slip into the less positive activities around there. So somebody who might move from assertive down to their disempowering activities, maybe they just ignore or dismiss, act like they've never even heard something. Um, So they don't actually engage with the other person or they attack. So they argue or fight back um, in terms of something as opposed to logically, uh, non-emotionally reasoning with people. And it feels different. The way in which you'd notice the difference would be things like tone of voice. So you hear about people being aggressive so they, the voice might be uh, have a harsh edge to it um, they're very speaking quite rapidly they sound angry but you could also have people being sort of passive aggressive so that might be behaviors like eye rolling or if I must or sort of sarcastic type behaviors and they're not helpful either so we really want to use those constructive assertive and responsive behaviors and be alert to occasions where we might slip into the less helpful behaviors. So that's all really easy to say, isn't it? But how can you actually do it? Well, if we think about it in terms of almost cognitive behavioural therapy type approaches, maybe it's about us choosing the right mindset to get the result that we need. So if you have identified that you are someone who is naturally more push, so you're more assertive, perhaps less good to listen, uh, less easy, find it less easy to listen to people, uh, then maybe what you need to say to yourself in your mind is, I need to understand what they really want to achieve first. So I want to understand their point of view first, you know, the Covey quote again, then we can collaborate to achieve a win-win. So it's going in, as Stephen Covey would say, going in with a win-win mindset, seeking first to understand, then to be understood. So you're not not saying what you want, but you're getting the other person's point of view first. Now, incidentally, that's quite a good negotiation technique as well, because when you understand where someone else is coming from or what their budget is or you know what their needs are, it's much easier for you to be able to adapt and match that. Now, if you're more naturally a pull person, then you need to say to yourself, I need to be clear and upfront about what I need to achieve or what I want to achieve, because we both deserve to achieve a positive outcome. Or, you know, it's my job as a professional to be clear and upfront about the situation, the expectations and best practice. And so it's my job to make sure that my professional guidance is heard and therefore I need to speak up and make sure that it's heard. Whether people choose to do it or not is another matter, but you need to make sure that your professional your professional experience is represented and understood. It's helpful to reflect on the type of language that you find yourself using. So say you're in a board meeting or an important meeting. Are you somebody who naturally apologises quite a lot or use could you or could I, which is quite English, isn't it? It's super polite, but it's quite low impact. So you could think about the scale in which the way in which you talk about things. So you could say at the bottom is very much could you and it's quite, uh, you know, the language, if you hear my tone of voice, could you as if I don't expect you to do it. 
Or you could say at the other end, I insist, which is probably a little bit over the top. But think of these all these different expressions. I'd like, I'd appreciate, I want, I need, I expect, or I insist. Now, they're all a bit more emotional, I think, because we're using the I, but that's in a personal thing. But you could put it into the third party. So saying something like, it, I, it would be helpful if, or they'd appreciate it if we do something a certain way. The needs or the wants of the business or the requirements of the law. You can hear different things, the expectations of the customer. Uh, all of those become more and more assertive. So think about the words and the language that we use and the way in which we use our language if we want to be more assertive. And you know, if you find that sometimes people don't listen, it's making sure that we sound really quite firm and confident in how we use it. So you could say they'd appreciate something and that is quite low impact language, but it's said in a high impact way. So you can get away with softening things if you want to in that way. And then the final point that I thought was worth um, reflecting on is how do we deal with conflict? Because sometimes it's slightly counterintuitive. So if you're met with overt conflict, let's say somebody is really angry about a situation or really cross and upset, it can be really tempting to push back, particularly if you are someone who's naturally quite assertive. However, as anyone who's ever been in a call centre and customer service will say that overt conflict, the last thing you want to do is match that overt conflict because it's quite likely to then escalate uh, and become a real issue. So what we need to do there is take the steam out of it. And that's where we need to empathise and listen. So using our listening skills, it doesn't mean apologising and you know being submissive, but say, you know, it's empath empathy and listening to understand what's causing that emotion. And by doing that, you take the emotion out of the situation. So with overt conflict, you mismatch it and you use a pull approach. And interestingly, it's the same with covert conflict. And this is one that I think too many organisations ignore, which can allow it to just become a problem. It can be, it's where cultural issues can arise. So covert conflict, and by that I'm thinking about things like eye rolling, people being sarcastic, uh, people just not doing what they should do. They're clearly, uh, maybe they're not, they're not I don't, interacting constructively on Zoom or whatever, you're, it could be remote where people are just, you're asking them to do something and they're consistently not doing things. What you need to do in that situation is bring it out and actually be direct. So I noticed that you rolled your eyes or I noticed that I've asked you to turn your camera on, on a number of times and you're not doing it. So I wouldn't ball people out in public, maybe take them to one side, but go over and say, you know, the expectation is that you do X, Y, Z. Um, so that's maybe the camera example. You know, could you tell me why you're choosing not to do it, what the problem is? So you can then go into listening or in the case of the eye rolling, quite overtly, but non-emotionally say, I noticed you rolled your eyes there when I said X, Y, Z. Is there a problem? Do you want to discuss it? Could you, you know, let me know why? So actually, you know, that classic feedback, I noticed, I saw, I heard, um, like to understand the rationale behind it uh, and maybe give some feedback about it. So not letting negative behaviours that people are demonstrating, don't let them get away with them, actually face them up, but in a non-emotional way and try not to match them in negative behaviours. So people who are whispering or otherwise, try not to let it intimidate us, just actually quite assertively say, oh, yeah, I'm not sure why you're shrugging there, do you want to tell me? Um, or was that not clear? Uh, do you not follow what I'm saying? Would you like me to explain it again? So 
bring things out. Don't be scared to speak up. Um, and that way you're asserting in a constructive way. And personally, I just think this is something where we're often criticised as people professionals, maybe for not being strategic enough. And you may have brilliant strategic ideas, but you don't feel confident enough to share them. And so I believe having that balance of push and pull influencing is key, but really being brave. If you are someone who is more naturally a listener, a pull influencer, make sure that you are getting your point across. You know, challenge yourself to be brave and to be heard because actually that's your job and you have every right to do that. So a relatively short episode there, just some thoughts on influencing on a model that I used to use quite regularly when I was doing influencing skills. I hope it's of interest to some of you. And uh, if you want to find out more on the topic, again, go to the show notes. You perhaps go back and listen to the uh, persuasion episode, which is quite useful too, which has got another model of persuasion and it'll really help you bring that to life. Thanks for listening. I really hope you found this week's episode useful and enjoyable. If you did, perhaps you could recommend us to a friend or colleague or give us a review on your platform of choice. It really helps new listeners to find us. Now you can access links to any of the information mentioned in this show via the website www.hruprising.com. Further free resources are also available at www.actus.co.uk. There you can also find out more about our software and training solutions. Finally, why not join our LinkedIn group, The HR Uprising, to share ideas and collaborate with other like-minded people professionals. Thank you for listening to The HR Uprising podcast.